I have my Bible open again to Matthew, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and I invite your attention to that location. Please remember that all the sermons delivered here are placed on our website before the end of each Sunday. So we record the sermons and put them on the website before the end of each Sunday. We are back into that routine, and if you find these sermons to be true to God's Word, please consider sharing the recordings from our website with your friends and family. This is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, as it appears in the English Standard Version. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Here's a good process of Bible study. When you read a passage, stop after you read the passage or the paragraph or section and ask yourself, what do I see first? What is the main idea? And here in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, what I see first is blessings enjoyed by those who live by faith in Christ. Look at the words in this passage and consider how they identify blessings enjoyed by faithful Christians. Just in the words, justified, peace, grace, hope, and God's love poured into our hearts. What I see in Romans 5, 1 through 5, blessings enjoyed by those who live by faith in Christ. This is why people should want to repent and be baptized and then walk in a manner worthy of their calling to receive from God through Christ to be a participant in the blessings identified in this passage. Justified from sin, at peace with God, saved by grace, living with hope, a special beneficiary of God's love. Now, once you do that, look back into the passage and dig into some of the details. And when I do that, what I see here is the development of character. The development of character. See, it is not being baptized and having these blessings and then just sitting back and relaxing. 
or being a passive recipient of the blessings identified here. As a recipient of blessings, living by faith in Christ, part of what happens to you is the development of character. The development of character is not something imposed on you. It is not something that just happens automatically. You don't just sit back and enjoy this happening to you. It is not a function of time. The fact that you were baptized 30 years ago and you're in a building now does not necessarily mean that in that span of time, character has been developed. You must be engaged with mind, life, and tongue under the discipline of God's Word. You must be engaged. I must be engaged with mind, life, and tongue under the discipline of God's Word. Tonight, would you consider how you react reveals your character. How you react reveals your character. Give me a few minutes tonight to work on that. How we react reveals our character. How do you react to instruction from God that you don't like? Now, our first response may be, well, I like everything God says. I love God and I'm satisfied with everything he asked me to do. That may be idealistic and sound good, but it may not be entirely honest and realistic. There may be things we read in the Bible or things we hear taught from the Bible and our first response is that we don't like it. Though we may not say that, May not even say it to ourselves, but it's here. Our evaluation may be, well, that's not fair. Or you read something over here and you say, well, that seems awful strict. Some obligations, some commands, let us all admit, are just hard, challenging, difficult to apply. Such teachings become a test of our character. Such teachings that we find difficult become a test of our character. How we react when we have instruction before us from God that we do not like at first, that becomes a test of our character. And I want to illustrate that. There was this man in the Old Testament who was a leper. He suffered daily with this terrible disease. And he heard there was a man of God nearby who could heal him. The man of God was Elisha. The leper was Naaman. And the Bible says Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha and Elisha sent a messenger to him. So think about this and try to picture this in your mind. Naaman suffering horribly as a leper and he has found the prophet of God Elisha. Elisha sends word to Naaman and here is the message. Go 
wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. So he's suffering the pain of a leper. He finds the prophet of God instructions. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. And the next verse in 2 Kings 5 is what I'm talking about. 2 Kings 5.11 says, Naaman went away angry. So instructions from God through the prophet that he didn't like. He didn't understand. He didn't agree with. He went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. And then he said, there are other rivers that are actually better than the Jordan. This is a typical reaction of people today, in many cases, to instructions from God. Something is heard or read from Scripture, instruction from God for men and women today, and the first reaction may be like Naaman. I don't like that. Well, Naaman made a U-turn in his attitude. Naaman, the Bible says, turned, went, and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan and was cleansed. He decided he should do anything God says. However strange it may seem to him, he should do anything God says out of an attitude of complete trust in God. I tell you, it's not unusual today for people to hear what the Bible says about baptism or marriage or attitude or worship or the work of the church or anything clear in Scripture and indicate immediately that they just don't like that. Our trust in God will never be complete until we learn to listen to His Word with such confidence in Him we will believe and do whatever he says simply because he said it. Trust in God means we don't go through the process of whether we like it or not. Whether it is popular or fair or easy. What shows faith and what develops character is the ready mind that says... Whatever God has said, that's what I believe. And whatever God instructs me to do, however strange it may seem, that's exactly what I'll do. Test of character. How you react reveals your character. How you react to instruction from God that you may not like at first reveals your character and mine. How do you react to criticism? Here's what is typical that most of us can identify with. Someone begins to criticize you and your first reaction is to defend yourself. Maybe before you even listen to the criticism. 
Maybe even before you hear what it's all about, when you sense that someone is about to offer a critical remark, you just have a knee-jerk defensive mode that you assume, an immediate emotion of resentment. We're ready to defend our name. We're putting on our battle gear. And we're so busy putting on our battle gear and we're so upset we're not even listening to the critic. That's very common. And I would offer that most of us have been guilty of this. I have. May I ask us to consider the possibility, the possibility that we may be able to learn something useful about ourselves from the mouths of our critics. Even if our critics may have a wrong motive, even if they exaggerate, I want us to be open to the possibility that there may be some good things we can learn from our critics. I realize it is entirely possible that some who criticize us simply don't know what they're talking about and the charge that they make against us is untrue and we have a right to defend ourselves against false accusations. I know all that. But should we assume that our critics are wrong before we hear them out? Should we think everybody who offers criticism is lying, malicious, and a minister of the devil? You know, there is such a thing acknowledged in the Bible as constructive criticism, spiritually, morally constructive criticism. Even though it may be poorly given, there is such a thing as constructive criticism. How do I know this? Well, there's this old phrase, the Bible tells me so. Listen to these passages. This is Luke 17, 1 through 4. And he said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So, put that in your catalog. And now... In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And then I'm going to take you to James chapter 5. Verses 19 and 20, the last words in the epistle. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, we must admit, given those passages, 
There is such a thing as constructive criticism. Spiritually constructive, justified criticism that is designed to help, to save, and to restore. Now, I simply want to point out to us, if it is necessary to give constructive criticism, it is necessary for the recipient to receive it. The next time someone approaches you with criticism, wait before you mount your counterattack. Be quiet and listen, though at first it hurts. You may be listening to something you really need to hear for your good, for my good, and God's glory. How we react to criticism reveals our character. Third, how do you react to difficulty? Everything seems to be going fine, but something unexpected strikes you down. A death in the family, serious illness, financial crisis, moral crisis, a hope that doesn't come to pass, a devastating disappointment, a doctor's report that shakes you to the core. Someone close to you, a brother or sister in Christ, family member, left the Lord into the world, back into sin. All kinds of things can hit us. I cannot name them all. Without any advance warning, difficulty that challenges us, and our reaction reveals our character. Side point. The devil wants to use every difficulty in our lives to defeat us. The devil wants to use every difficulty in our lives to defeat us. Generally, men and women do not accept suffering and disappointment graciously. When there is trouble, we want out. When there's pain, we want relief. When there's adversity, we want relief. When things happen that we don't understand, we want it cleared up right away. We are a people in this country who want success and peace and comfort. We want it quickly. We pray that there will be no setbacks, no losses, no conflict. The book of Ecclesiastes has helped me understand Life here on earth will always have setbacks, losses, conflicts, whether we can explain all of it or not. A lot of difficulty is explained directly or indirectly by the presence of sin in the world, but some things we may never know what caused them. Solomon has a lot to say about that. But then Solomon just wants his readers to know bad things happen here on earth whether the cause is known or not. What is twisted cannot be straightened, he said. What is lacking cannot be counted. No one can comprehend what goes on 
under the sun. Some things we don't understand, never will. When the difficulties of life on earth intrude, our reaction to difficulty is driven by the character that we develop before the difficulty arrived. When the difficulties of life on earth intrude, our reaction to the difficulty is driven by the character that we develop before the difficulty arrived. If we react to problems with resentment and grumbling and bitterness, that says something about who we are before the problem came up. If something bad happens and we speak against God or we stop being faithful to Him, that tells the story of what we were doing with our character one way or the other before the bad thing happened. Listen to James 1 and verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, when you first read James 1 verse 2, it may hit you sort of like Elisha's message to Naaman. you got to be kidding. The Jordan River, seven times. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. But that's what it says. I've long believed that James wrote that with the broad general phrase, various trials, to cover whatever happens that imposes pressure on us. May well have been true that his readers were suffering persecution for righteousness' sake. There is evidence those Christians who lived in the apostolic era were persecuted for their faith. But James uses language that reaches out to include any number of difficulties or trials. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. If you have the old King James, divers. Later translations, diverse. One reason Christians can have this joy is... We know something. We know something about the future that others may not know who've not responded to the gospel. We know that the testing of our faith produces patience. Romans 5. And we know the problems we have here will not last forever. There is a good outcome God has promised to his people the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. If your character is molded day by day by your faith in Christ, you're better prepared for the difficulties of life on earth that may hit you ahead that you can't see now. I want to say that again. If your character is molded day by day by the activity of your faith in Christ, you are preparing yourself for difficulties of life on earth that may hit you in the future that you can't see now. Your character now will be revealed then. 
Your faith and its activity now will be your stronghold when bad things happen in the future that you cannot see now. So God has a program of character development for each of us. And here is the textbook. I can't wait until something happens and go get the textbook off the shelf and blow the dust off and look up what I need to do in the moment. There must be the work of ongoing character education. Where you are always a student of the textbook, therefore always ready to react in a manner that is pleasing to God and best for us and best for those around us. God doesn't force character into our hearts when we are baptized. The fact that you come to this building three or four times a week is no guarantee that you will be pure in character. It is through our daily use of God's word in real life that he brings into us all the moral vigor, all the moral courage, all the humility that is necessary for life here and life after we leave here. I like this quote from Oswald Chambers. Character in a person means the disposition of Jesus Christ is persistently manifested more and more every day. If you've heard something tonight you need to respond to, we afford you this opportunity while we stand together to sing.